Seattle. Good afternoon and welcome. You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim on a beautiful summer day. So excited to see the sun shining. I always feel so much better with a little vitamin D. I hope everyone else out there that's listening is enjoying it. And for those of you across the country who says, what are you talking about? It's 100 plus degrees. I'm really sorry. It has been really icky around here. It has not been summer. It's been more like January. So we're excited to see the sun. But I do want to send a shout out to all of our friends down in Colorado that we're uh, we're following you. We're feeling for you. We're giving you a bunch of hugs and uh, hope that this... Uh, ends these fires end very very quickly for you and the rest of you that are suffering from the heat um sorry about that too i guess (laughs) welcome to the show want to welcome eric how you doing eric good afternoon kim i'm doing great i wanted to say something really snarky like too bad so sad but you can't say that Uh, about the The rest of the country being on fire at the moment (laughs) really hot well i'm not talking about the actual fire i'm talking about the people no the the temperature feels like it's on fire yeah Yeah, you know and i come originally from california so i know what that's like it's not a lot of fun you You, spend your day inside and uh then you you know if you got to go somewhere you run to your air-conditioned car and then you run to the air-conditioned store and it's like you know that's I'd that's rather no have life. some rain than, no than that, you know? Yes, that's so, no life. Well, we've got these 73-degree days. It's like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> My son was out in the sprinkler today. That's nice. how much he's he, And it's not that warm yet. And yeah, it's about 70, what, 73 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's not that warm. I have a friend who uh, lives in Dallas, Texas, and I got my first blast of hot like that. I mean, I originally came from Chicago. I got pretty hot there. But in Texas, it was 109 degrees that Ooh, day. Wee. Surface of the sun. Oh, my gosh. It's like (laughs) 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's not a chipmunk. There's not a cat. There's no dogs. There is nothing alive outside. And all you can hear is just this hum of air conditioners. And it was just surreal. It's like people, there was no people. (laughs) Everybody was inside. And then, yeah, I got that. I had a rental car and I opened the car door and I get in the car and then I shut the door and I turned the car on and my friend was screaming at me. (laughs) You turn the car on first and then you get in and you adjust your seatbelt and you do all that. What are you thinking? So... Yeah, I feel for him. I I would not do well in that kind of temperature. That would that would not go well. We also want to welcome Lindsay again, our wonderful media producer in the show. How are you doing today, Lindsay? I'm good. How about you? I'm fine, thank you. So you've been scheduling guests like mad. So can you kind of tell yeah. us some of the guests that are going to be coming up on future editions of the Walk the Talk with Kim show? Yes. Well, actually, we have a really exciting one coming up on July 11th. We have one of our own Sounders players. We're going to call in from down in California. They're going to talk to us before a game. Awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. The the Women's Sounders team, the yes. new team. Yes. That's correct. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And we should point out that Alternative Talk 1150 is the home of the Sounders women. Now. Yay. So home you can the hear their women. games here on the station. So Excellent. Yeah, it's excellent. That, we're going to have a good time with that. And I'm excited yeah. that they're going to come on and want to want to talk with them about what they're doing and, and all kinds of exciting things. And we're also going to have Puget Sound Energy on the same show as well. Yeah, that's right. They're going to talk about their Rock the Bulb event. So that's going to be coming up, too. Because, you know, bulbs need rocking. <laughs> Eric, there you go. Find something. Find a song with a light bulb in it. 
Okay, I think okay, I he's do thinking that. about it. So here's here's stump the Eric um, episode for today. Is Eric's going to find something that has light? Now bulbs is this in bulbs? It. Is when you say rock the bulbs, we're talking light bulbs, or are we light talking bulbs, like yeah. the plants or you know flowers no. and stuff? No, we're talking light bulbs. All right. The whole point is that uh, Puget Sound Energy has a program going on right now where you can bring in up to fifteen, actually seventeen, if you have a coupon, mm-hmm. uh, normal light bulbs, and they will give you free. Energy saving light bulbs the that you can take fluorescent. with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very smart. I think smart. that's what they are. Um, but they're going on all over the place at Ace Hardware stores in different parts. So mm-hmm. we're going to have PSC on to talk more about that. Not next week, but the week after. Next week we are going on vacation, or I am anyway. I mean, you guys are certainly more than welcome to come, but I won't be here. And uh, it's going to be Helen Thayer. The, we're going to rebroadcast the Helen Thayer show. So that should be interesting for those of you that miss it the first time around. And if you missed it the first time, you may not know that Helen Thayer is an adventurer. And uh, she's uh, traveled in the Arctic, and she's got tons of great stories, and uh, a fun lady from New Zealand. So She's from New Zealand. She lives here in the Pacific Northwest. She scaled just about every peak you can possibly imagine. Her godfather was Sir Edmund Hillary, and she was the first woman to solo to the North Pole, and it was just her and her dog, Charlie, as she calls him. And um, uh, she just has some incredible stories. So, yeah, she's very inspiring in her outdoor adventure um, organization, uh, Outdoor Classroom, I believe. It's a great organization. You can find out that information and more on all of the guests that we've had on the show. We've helped, you know, almost over 70 nonprofit organizations on the Walk the Talk with Kim show and community-based organizations. And that's our whole mission. Our whole mission is to give voice and uh, give uh, um, an opportunity for those organizations to tell their stories. And uh, we've had some really great ones on. So go to our archives at walkthetalkwithkim.com and you can hear those. And also subscribe to our Facebook page at Walk the Talk with Kim. We've got really exciting things coming up. Our media producer, Lindsay, is working on some new programs and things. So you're going to want to like that page because there might be some exciting contests coming up. Uh, There's going to be some uh, different ways of doing things that I think are going to be really exciting for our listeners out there. So welcome. And of course, we want to give a shout out to Florida and Maine, of course, our farthest corners that are listening to Walk the Talk with Kim in the United States. However, I have found that we have a listener in Belgium. So we want to give a shout out to Belgium. I don't know Dutch. And if I did, um, I probably would butcher it. So I'm not even going to say anything in Dutch, but welcome Belgium. And uh, thank you all very much for listening to Walk the Talk with Kim. Did want to let you know. speak Dutch. Don't they? I I, th- I don't think they do. Well, who speaks Dutch? It, the people from Holland. Holland? Yeah, <gasps> or the Netherlands. So what do Belgians speak? The Belgians speak uh, French and German. How do you know that? Because you're, you're I've been smart. to Europe. You're just smart. You studied in school? <laughs> I've been to Europe. You've been to Europe. They yeah. speak French? They speak French, yeah. Did you know that uh, French fries were actually invented in Belgium? And why don't we call them Belgian fries? Well, because they sold best in France. So they became French fries. Ah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, and Belgians will never let you forget it, though. If you ever have Belgian food, you'll get a side of fries. Ah, gotcha. Delicious fries. For my one one Belgian person that is liking us and listening to the show on Facebook, I'm really sorry saying that you speak Dutch. (laughs) Maybe he does. You know, it's possible that he speaks Dutch. They speak how many different languages They're very learned. Yes, I can imagine. They they know all those languages. People over here in the United States, we barely speak English. So. We're not bilingual or trilingual. We're just lingual. Yes, we're just barely lingual, <laughs> barely there. We're really good at the BRBs and the LOLs and 
The abbreviations. The abbreviations, yeah, but not much else than that. So now that I've just knocked my country, my fellow countrymen, um, maybe I'm just knocking myself. I have a a problem with English. (laughs) It's not French fries, it's freedom fries. Yes, you are on the Walk the Talk with Kim show. We love everybody equally or disdain everybody equally, however you look at it. We do. We love them all, and that's why we're here. And we have a really um, fun guest today. Uh, David Roberts is with an organization called Culture Environmental Services, and this is what I would consider um, a, a mission-driven organization. And so for those of you that um, often ask me, so what's your definition of mission-driven? Um, any organization will tell you that they have a mission and that's what drives their business. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about organizations that have what we call a double and triple bottom line. Double bottom line means the bottom line profits plus the social responsibility component are equal drivers in their business. A triple bottom line is environmental concerns, social responsibility, and bottom line profits are equally driven. And you might say, well, I know mission-driven organizations, and you can name any name brand out there and say they've got a social responsibility component. That's true. But what we're going to really start seeing are organizations and entrepreneur organizations that are really starting um, more as a calling, more as a mission, and less about profits. In fact, I will tell you, and I'm not saying that about David Roberts, but I know a lot of organizations organizations that I'm specifically working with, um, we have a hard time reminding people that you do have to make a profit at some point in time. And it's not because there's not any money. It's because the social responsibility component and the environmental responsibility component are so strong in the intrinsic motivation of these people that own these organizations that it's it's kind of hard sometimes to remember that, oh, yeah, I have to ask for money. It almost kills the buzz, so to speak, to actually have to ask for money. I'm not speaking for David, of course, but let's bring him on the phone. David Roberts from Colshan Environmental Services. Welcome to the Walk the Talk with Kim program. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't mean to kind of lump you in that you don't care about profits, but I do know that you care very much about environmental concerns. That's correct. It's been pretty much my uh, life mission for the 30 years I've been in work. So tell us um, about your experience and then what drove you or possessed you, I should say, into creating your own organization. Well, I spent the bulk of my um, career working for state government, both in the Department of Ecology and uh, the Department of Natural Resources. And one of the things I have been able to observe is that a lot of people are just frustrated with having to work with government. And some of that is just because they don't understand, and some of it's because government's complicated. And so uh, when the time came for me to make a career change, I really wanted to see if I could make more of a difference in people's lives when they had to um, encounter government and work with them, particularly on projects that are related to uh, land use or environmental issues. And why the environment for you? Well, uh, oddly enough, I started as a a geology major, and uh, when I really started looking at what that was all about, it was more about destroying the environment than it was about protecting it. And uh, I didn't feel so great about it after I graduated from school, and an opportunity presented itself at the University of Washington for me to do a graduate degree in environmental science and engineering. So um, that looked interesting, and the people were very um, accommodating and interested in me. So I shifted gears and have never turned back. 
We do have to take a break, unfortunately. I know you just got started, but we uh, have you for the whole hour, and I'm really excited, David. We're going to talk more with Colshan Environmental Services about environmental responsibility in our business culture as well as our social culture. You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim. Change the light bulbs. I flick switches. Wrap you up in leopard skin rug. Keep you in my pocket. Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson. And with my wife, Michelle, we're local residents just like you who have a passion to help those who have been harmed or wronged in our communities. If you have a personal injury from a car crash or a property hazard, an industrial injury, a defective product or nursing home neglect issue, the Pearson Law Firm can help you anywhere, anytime. Contact us today for a free case evaluation at 1-800-423-8473. That number again is 1-800-423-8473. Or check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Hello, this is Kim Ariano of Walk the Talk with Kim. The reality is staggering. South Africa has one of the highest incidences of HIV AIDS in the world. This fact results in millions of orphans left in the care of other family members, friends, or fending for themselves in child-headed households. Focus on Atemba offers orphans and vulnerable children a new direction in life through loving foster care homes with committed parents and a real opportunity for a good education. Please consider sponsoring a child to receive the needed stability to change their world. Go to atembakids.org or follow the links from walkthetalkwithkim.com. Remember the pink tow truck? It was a Seattle icon. But did you know the mastermind behind the marketing was also one of Seattle's successful entrepreneurs? Learn life lessons from Ed Lincoln by reading his new autobiography, Life Through the Rearview Mirror. Available at area bookstores and online. Go to walkthetalkwithkim.com and click on the link. Accelerated weight loss, and everyone's a winner. You too can lose up to 30 pounds in 30 days. It's about science, not celebrities. No HCG, just award-winning science-based nutrition and natural botanicals. Join 10,000 satisfied clients. For information, contact myweightlosswellness at gmail.com and mention Walk the Talk with Kim. Remember, you're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. You challenge Eric to find a song about light bulbs. You get a song without light bulbs, about light bulbs. You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Before we go any further, we do want to thank our sponsor, Pearson Law Firm. You can expect expert representation and a kind, compassionate attitude that is the Pearson promise, and uh, I'm going to be calling Pearson here possibly shortly. I had my own little fender bender yesterday. Uh-oh. I was so bummed. My car, my Audi, my beloved Everybody's Audi. okay except for the car, we hope? <sighs> the car is even kind of okay. It's yeah. a little bit smashed. It looks much better than the Prius that ran into me, though. Mm. Those things definitely have crumple zones, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm looking at this little disposable car. It was. It was, we just kind of collided it we just kind of merged together but i had the right of way so it wasn't it wasn't my fault but um anybody that knows me knows that i love my audi and i love my little car and it darn near made me cry 
But as my husband said, you know, it happened right next to the spot where I dropped the kayak on the car the last time that made me cry. So he said, um, maybe we'll have that fixed at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite a day. Well, that's good. So you, have an, you have an announcement. Oh, well, I don't have an announcement, but I, as long as we're yes. <laughs> on a tangent here before we get back to our guest, David Roberts, I, I did want to make a correction yes. uh, from the first portion of the show. I had said that uh, in Belgium, they speak French and German, which right. is true, uh, but they also do speak a form of Dutch, uh, Flemish, as they call it, yes. uh, but it is a form of Dutch. So uh, you were right and, Can you believe and it? I was wrong there, so I apologize. And I, I've got a hat that I'll be digesting during yeah. the rest of the hour here. So. Well, I just had to make <laughs> sure we clarified that because quite often I am wrong. <laughs> so when you have, have, and thank you very much for the correction, um, when somebody says, you know what, you were right. I don't get that very often. I have two children and a husband. Love them dearly. I don't get that very often. I think they so should pick you. a language, though. Come on, Belgium. Get united. <laughs> well, I, they're probably one of those countries where they speak 13. No, you they know, speak, kinda, they have the three official languages, three official which languages. we covered. Yeah, so uh, amazing place. Yeah, I hear once you learn one, the rest are kind of easy. It's kind of like having kids. Once you have more than two, it you know, what what's one more? I think it might be kind of that way with languages, do you think? Maybe that's the theory. It hasn't worked out that well for me. But. No. How many languages <laughs> do you know? Just I just know the one, the uh, one. and barely grasping okay. English on a daily basis. But I, I speak a little French, je parle un peu français, and you know just a tiny bit of Japanese. Mm-hmm. So yeah. okay, very there you go. What about you, Lindsay? How many languages do you know? I know English, and I took a little bit of French as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I know enough to be dangerous in Spanish, and a little teeny tiny bit in French. In fact, I have a friend of mine, Jean Claude Pierre. That is his name, is Jean-Claude Pierre. He's from France. He lives in China, and I go to school with him. I'm in a doctorate school in California. And so he comes here, and, you know, he's got this really thick French accent, which is just absolutely adorable. And um, I know one French song that I sung in high school called Isiba. And so I was singing it to him because I had no idea what I was singing. And I'm singing this song to him. I said, okay, what did I say? And he kind of looks at me and goes, I have no idea what you just <laughs> sang. So evidently it sounds really good when I'm singing it. It sounds very French, easy kind of thing. But it, I'm evidently not singing the words right. Mm. So sorry. Sorry, French people. We do want to welcome back David Roberts. David, how many languages do you know? Well, I'm kind of like the rest of you. I have a, a smattering of uh, French and uh, German, a little bit of Spanish, and um, I lived in Sweden for a while, so I oh. have probably the most uh, capacity in that language, actually, which is kind of rare. So you know, you know Belgium, isn't it? Kind of I by do. Sweden. I don't know my geography at all. Isn't it in that general vicinity? That general continent, right? That general continent over there. <laughs> they, did you? Yeah, between France and Holland. There you basically. go. Yeah. And are they running the tour? Does anybody know? Is the tour going through Belgium this year? The Tour de France going through Belgium this year? I think it went last year, didn't it? Go through. Anybody know? No, I'm getting blank stares. Okay, never mind. Anyone out there that's a Tour de France fan, even though poor Lance Armstrong, I guess, depending on how you look at it, isn't having a really great year, but um, fighting off uh, drug charges. But um, I love watching the tour. Anyway, so if anybody out there knows, if we've got any listeners, uh, go ahead and post that our Walk the Talk with Kim website and say, no, they're not going to Belgium. 
and uh, let me know what you think about the whole Lance Armstrong thing. But we are talking about environmental services, and we have it David does, Roberts. I'm just looking oh, at the looking. map here, and it does look like the, a portion of it does we'll travel through, through Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Eric, you have a world of knowledge at your fingertips. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're looking at. Well, I'm looking at the official Latour.fr website. Ah, so, uh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so now you got to find a song about Belgium for the next break. There you go. I'm keeping Eric busy. <laughs> David, so you decided um, to start your own business. So you left government and decided, hey, I want to go strike out on my own. How did that How did that work for you? Well, it, it had been in the back of my mind for a number of years as I, I transitioned through a couple of different jobs. And um, at one point, my wife and I decided, let's, figure out what kind of questions we would need to have answered before we could start our own business. And so uh, we made sort of a critical checklist of uh, questions that we needed to have a good answer for before we set out on our own. And, you know, some of them were things like, well, um, what do we have to offer and is it something that people need? Or um, how are we going to finance this business and how long would it take to get things going? So. Um, once we had that list together, we sort of systematically went through answering those questions in a, in a very specific way. And, and um, after about two or three months, we decided that, um, yes, it was appropriate. And um, I gave a couple of months notice and, and then left my management job. Good for you. What was driving you, you think, at that point to leave and to start your own, your well, own organization? I think... Partly uh, uh, just a strong need to help people and to um, uh, provide a, maybe a, a higher level of customer service than what I was able to do in my existing job. Um, there were some changes in policy that were complicating life in my existing job, and um, I really wanted to uh, ultimately experience a, a more of a flexible um, work life and schedule than I had been following for many, many years, which involved a lot of travel and a lot of long days and a lot of managing people. So um, in, in the short term, the view was to try and get a, a to, into a place where I had a little more flexible schedule and I didn't have so many people to look after. So in the business that you have now, you said that you're helping people. Are you helping mainly um, individuals, individual houses, or are you helping mainly organizations or businesses? It could be any of the above. I mean, I, I have had individuals call me about um, concerns about property ownership and uh, uh, um, relationships with agencies, and I have um, also worked with local governments. I've worked with um, medium-sized businesses. And uh, and with community associations um, like homeowner associations, mm-hmm. so it's a really a, you know just about everyone at one time or another encounters some kind of uh, environmental regulation, and more often than not, it's it's confusing to figure out what you have to do, and that that's the niche I'm trying to help people address. Do you get a sense and a feeling that the environmental regulations are enough? That's a really big philosophical question. Well, uh, I think that uh, if you look at how complicated they are, um, anybody in their right mind would say it's sort of like the tax system. It's so complicated that it really um, begins. You begin to wonder whether it's actually effective or not. And mm-hmm. I think that's 
part of the challenge is that um, we have um, all good intentions in terms of government um, trying to put in programs in place that are um, that are going to um, make our our um, our whole lifestyle more sustainable. But oftentimes, it's very difficult for governments to effectively put those out on the ground. So our elected officials say we're going to do this, and then uh, the agencies have to actually implement it. And um, and with the way the um, tax system is in the state of Washington, in particular, um, we are. Uh, I think it's overall it's a big challenge to just see that everything is currently on the books is actually implemented. Mm-hmm. So what I try to look for, what's the really important stuff out of this? You know, what are the key um, applications that have to be filled out? What's the most important information that needs to be provided? Even though there are just so many, um, there's just a multitude of things that's oftentimes asked for. But um, getting to the heart of it, I think, helps people um, both in the government agencies as well as the clients. Um, mm-hmm better understand where they need to be. And so when a client comes to you, for example, I think one of the things that you mentioned here is that you had worked for um, an organization, uh, People for Lake Padden. Can you talk to us a little bit about that that story and uh, what you did to help them? That might give some folks some ideas on how to think about their environment a little differently. Yeah, we have a, um, a beautiful little lake surrounded by a park here in our um in our community of Bellingham, Washington. And uh, the lake has at one time was the drinking water supply for the city. But um, after a while, they went to other sources of water and converted the land uh, directly around the lake to a park. But the remainder of the watershed uh, has been gradually developed over the years and, and is um, probably about 30% of the land now is converted into houses and roads and, and schools and things. Um, and as that has occurred, the um, water quality in the lake has gradually deteriorated. And um, yeah, so there are, were a group of people here um, started by kind of a spark plug person in the community who decided they wanted to do something about that. And so... Um, I stepped into as an interested citizen myself and offered my um, services to the group on a pro bono basis um, to help them get organized um, and to um, figure out a, a process of uh, understanding more about the lake and its watershed and how the people of the community and the users of the lake ultimately affect the lake's health. And it's been quite a journey. We've been uh, working now for a little over a year. Um, we established a, um, a relationship with our local, uh, local university, Western Washington University, who helped us by providing students um, who needed uh, hands-on experience and uh, laboratory assistance to do um, some work for us. And then we designed some water quality studies uh, we completed what's called a watershed analysis to look at um, how the land use in the watershed affects the water quality. Uh, we work closely with the city and the county, who both are uh, the agencies overseeing the land around the lake, and uh, involved a group of volunteers to come help with sampling and education and advocacy. So the whole thing uh, has been going on for over uh, just over 
a great outreach program with a website, and Facebook page, newsletters, we, and we go out to local events and help people better understand what's going on. We also advocate for long-term protection of the lakes um, in the sort of political circles as well as um, uh, um, the educating our community on how they can reduce the existing pollution that is happening there. So oh. it's been a wonderful wonderful program. It sounds like it. And I want to talk more about it because I think there's several things that you said that um, I want to talk and to delve in a little bit further when we come back. Uh, For example, the advocacy and education piece and uh, politics in the community. I think these are all really great stories I want to explore further when we come back. You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim on KKNW AM 1150. Well, we're piled on the front steps like stray cavaliers. Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson, and since 1977, we at the Pearson Law Firm have guided individuals and their families through the legal process to seek justice and restitution in insurance disputes and personal injury claims. At the Pearson Law Firm, we work hard to secure justice in civil matters with a network of resources, a wealth of experience, and a compassionate attitude. That's the Pearson Promise. Contact us at 1-800-423-8473. That's 1-800-423-8473 for a free case evaluation. Or check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Mount Side Gymnastics Academy is now open in North Bend, offering gymnastics classes and summer camps to get your little ones and big ones moving this spring and summer. From recreation classes to competitive team, they have the gymnastics scene covered in the valley. Visit them online at www.mountsidegymnasticsacademy.com or call 425-292-3152. Get your kids flipping and twisting into summer. Do you wish you could train your brain to be more creative? ThinkShop can help. For 16 years, ThinkShop has trained individuals at Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and nonprofits. Learn our proven process to think creatively and make great ideas happen. Our trainings are offered in person and online. Learn more at thinkshop.com. Have you heard the phrase, the beatings will continue until morale improves? To organizations, employees are the biggest assets and biggest fans. If they're not feeling heard or appreciated, the bottom line will suffer. For mission-driven organizations, the reliance on employees and managers to rally around the core messaging is critical for success. At Walk the Talk for Success, we provide leadership best practices, education, and communication strategies for mission-driven organizations. Whether you're a business of one, middle manager, or leader in a large company or nonprofit, our experiential workshops and focused on organizational psychology will assist you in achieving success with your messaging and vision. Call for a free consultation today, 425-888-9790, or check us out at www.walkthetalkwithkim.com. Walk the Talk for Success, achieving your message through understanding human behavior. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Bought some cheap souvenirs. Just like 
You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim. Hey, if you're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim.com right now, I have a I have a a, a challenge. Go to a Facebook page at Walk the Talk with Kim on Facebook and start throwing out subject matter there. We're going to try and see if we can stump Eric, if anybody has any ideas on how we can find subjects for songs um, and see if we can stump Eric. So uh, go there now while you're listening to the rest of the show and throw some ideas. And Lindsay will take a look at that and see if we can't uh, come up with something that we can try and stump Eric with. Are you have, Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Sure. Excellent. Sure. Excellent. We got well, the Belgian song in there. We got the Belgian song. You got Elton the light John. bulb yeah. song. Yeah. The GM oh, okay. Miyagi. Yeah, uh, excellent. Bulbs. All right. Well, we'll figure it out here. Hey, David Roberts is back with us with Colshan Environmental Services. And I think that the story that he was telling in regards to Lake Patton is a really great example of an, a group that had a common goal uh, to bring things together. And uh, I want to hear more of the story because as we look at around our own communities, we we very often hear stories of water quality, but we may not know what exactly is going on in our community. And I think I like the idea of, of what he was saying is that the lake itself is being fed from all of these different places um, from a watershed perspective. And with all this development going on, I think we kind of take for granted as we enjoy our lakes, our small and our large lakes, that what's going on, I don't know, Dave, you can tell me maybe a mile, two miles, three miles, five miles, 10 miles away um, can affect that. But we as people who use the lakes for recreation or the rivers for recreation uh, almost have a responsibility to be stewards as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, at the grander scale, you could say all of Puget Sound is drained by its huge watershed, and everything we do in it ultimately affects Puget Sound's health as uh, a lake of our interest, which is relatively small with a a tiny watershed, you know, uh, in uh, comparison, is affected by whatever we do inside that watershed, whether it's fertilizing or or, um, you know, managing our uh, automobiles and washing our cars and uh, picking up our garbage, our dog poo, all of that that affects our lake. Now, is that, are those some of the biggest polluters or are we looking at um, just flat out building lots more houses and apartment communities or a bigger impact or it doesn't matter, it's all all very impactful? Well, you know, in... Uh, Washington State, anyway, uh, and and really across the country, the emphasis has primarily been on controlling industrial sources of pollution and and uh, pollution that comes from municipal waste treatment plants from our our toilets and so forth. But nowadays, the real problem is primarily from what we call stormwater, and that's the water that runs off our land uh, and and is really affected by the, our day to day behaviors. So. Um, that's what we call in Puget Sound the 800-pound gorilla now because it's mm. so um, big and it's also quite difficult to get to because you have to really try and change people's behaviors and attitudes about their day-to-day activities. And so besides picking up poo and um, not washing their cars, what are some other things that we do that people don't think about that if they just gave a little bit more thought to it can make a big difference? Well, fertilizers and pesticides are a, a big source of contamination to a lot of streams and and watercourses. And so, you, following the label in terms of pesticides and not over applying fertilizer is really important. In our lakes, um, most of them are um, very sensitive to inputs of phosphorus. So, what we're doing in Whatcom County is working with people to use a, a phosphate-free 
fertilizer um, so that we reduce the impact from from fertilizers um, to our water courses. So, if, so, if I, so oh, go those are really the big three. Um, if you look at it, I, you know, managing cars in terms of their oil as well as their car, you know, car washing. The best bet for for washing a car is always to take it to a car wash that uh-huh. recycles their water or um, or sends it uh, down a sewer treatment to a sewer treatment plant for uh, cleaning. There you go. And, you know, what's more fun than spending a beautiful sunny afternoon at the car wash with everybody else? But (laughs) it's important. It's really important. I hear you. And when we talk about phosphorus, just for um, those uh, uh, beginning gardeners, the NPK, which is the nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, right? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's that middle number. So when you look at um, fertilizers, like if you're fertilizing your... um, Flowers, really, because nitrogen goes more towards the green plant growth, if I remember correctly. And which one is for the flowers? Is that the phosphorus or the potassium piece? I can't remember. Uh, the the nitrogen's for the green. Yeah, nitrogen's and, for the green. Yeah, and I think that the phosphorus is more for the root growth. Oh, for the root growth. So mm-hmm. look at your labels um, and make yeah. sure that you're following those instructions very carefully because there are some, depending upon what you're growing, like if you got roadie food or something like that, might be a little lower. Nitrogen might be a lot higher in potassium or using root tone or any of that kind of stuff. It's just um, a good idea just to know what you're using as far as fertilizers are concerned especially yeah. when you compound fertilizer on top of fertilizer. Right. Yeah. And really it's the big the lawn application that's probably yeah. the most important one. So trying to, you know, develop a good lawn health through uh, um, adding compost and other and even lime which helps to break down the uh, organic matter in um, in the soil column there um, and can produce a much healthier lawn particularly in the northwest. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, looking at how you apply and how much you apply and what you apply are all real important for, uh, particularly for lawns, because that's where the greatest surface area is. And oftentimes our lawns are, are kind of compacted anyway, so the water doesn't necessarily seep down yeah. to, the, to the soil all the way. Sometimes it runs off. We have a lot of clay. Mm-hmm. You can plant something else. That's another option, too, is uh, have a smaller lawn and, and a larger greenery garden. That's actually better for uh, for those clay soils. That's another option as well. Absolutely. Very good. I've got a couple of uh, uh, native roadies growing in my yard that uh, look kind of scrawny when I got them, but boy, they are impressive. They get huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's another option as well. That's excellent. So there's this advocacy and education piece that you talked about. Um, Did you find any pushback or resistance when you started talking about the people of Lake Padden? Were there people that just didn't believe you that there was an environmental concern? I mean... But it's, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, in, you know, the people who don't want to hear that necessarily are the um, land developers. Um, and there's still a sense out there that um, development doesn't cause impacts when it actually does. And uh, so the biggest resistance that we've faced has um, come from developers and, unfortunately, from the um, uh elected officials who uh, tend to be more Mm -hmm. development-oriented. Overall, people of the community have been um, very receptive to our message and um, understanding about what we're trying to do. Bellingham's a pretty environmental community anyway, so in general, that's a um, pretty easy sell-up here. But um, 
uh, we are trying to give people very specific information about the kinds of things that we that they can do, and even um, uh, we're advocating using a a, play, uh, a pro- process called the pledge. We call it the Lake Patton pledge, and people can um, basically go on our website and see a, um, a pledge form that says that I will. Um, Strive to do the following things in my day-to-day living, and, and uh, uh, then they get a little pledge form, and they get recognized for signing the pledge. Um, we should have that for everything, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. pledge for just being good stewards of our environment. Yeah, we've done that in this area for a number of different programs, both for um, families and businesses. Yeah, I can imagine. So an organization would hire you. So this was something that you did with Lake Patton, but um, on, on your business, an organization will hire you because they have environmental concerns or they kind of have environmental concerns, but mainly they need the right permits and to move through the the tape, so to speak. Which I, I've worked at both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, I'm working for advocacy groups, and in other cases, I'm working for businesses. Mm. But I think my, my main point is, uh, that if you start early enough in a process and talk about what's really going to be required, sometimes you can design your way out of your problems. You can think ahead about what the things are that you're going to need to address and then incorporate those things into your design. And, uh, and more often than not, those are much better outcomes for everybody and the process of getting through the regulatory system goes a lot smoother. And I'm sure it's a lot less expensive than providing or or um, contributing to an environmental impact down the road where you can face fines. Right. And as a manager, I used to see people come to me with their, their idea. They were all excited. They'd spend a lot of money on a, on a, um, a, a consultant to design exactly what they asked for, and then they had to try and sell it to the regulatory people. Mm. And I think that that's sort of a backwards approach. If you start with the end in mind and then uh, design back into uh, what you're doing, then at least you can decide whether it's even feasible or not. Um, and it was very frustrating for people because they just really didn't get the guidance in the design process to help them be more successful in the final permit decision process. So before we go to break, can you give uh, people information on how they can get in contact with you if they have any questions or want to learn more about what you offer? Yes, I have a website, and the website is culsionservices.com. That's K-U-L-S-H-A-N services.com. And I have lots of information on the work that I do and services I provide, as well as a a contact um, link there where you can get a hold of me if you need to. Excellent. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap it up here with David Roberts and culsionservices.com. Are you stuck? Are you plagued by a toxic relationship? Are you frustrated with a lack of motivation? Workforce Evolution offers classes that explain why people behave the way they do and how to change patterns that wreak havoc on business and relationships in order to accelerate innovation and creativity. Go to WorkforceEvolution.com to find out how you can join a free class. That's WorkforceEvolution.com or call 425-888-9790. 
Hi, I'm Jerry Pearson, and at our firm, whether we're working on an automobile crash case or helping a client who's been injured by a defective product, we focus on justice. We're passionate about serving our clients. Our successful approach focuses on the right issue at the right time. With the best tools and expertise available, we focus on collaboration and cooperation. Clients support that process, and they respect our abilities to manage the legal process, to demystify it, and to explain choices and opportunities, and also their responsibilities. Contact us at 1-800-423-8473 or pearsonlawfirm.com. That's P-E-A-R-S-O-N lawfirm.com. Or you can check us out at walkthetalkwithkim.com. Lose up to 30 pounds in 30 days and be that sexy Valentine again. We offer a rapid, effective, and safe program that transforms your health as fast as it transforms your body. For information, contact myweightlosstowellness at gmail.com and mention Walk the Talk with Kim. Does your organization crave new ideas? ThinkShop can help. For 16 years, ThinkShop has inspired creative thinking at Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and nonprofits. We help you imagine new offerings, strategies, or ways of doing business. Our proven processes and engaging workshops deliver powerful results. Learn more at thinkshop.com. Following the herd is fine until they lead you off a cliff. Think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. You're listening to Walk the Talk with Kim. I'm Kim Ariano, and the word for the day is rhododendron. That's that's. What Eric's. does that mean? If someone says that, we got to scream? No, no, this is <laughs> like not Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right? Did you know that reference? No, she has no, no clue. Do you know who Pee Wee Herman is? Yes. Okay, yay, at least she knows who Pee Wee is. All right. The word is rhododendron. On his show, oh, the secret word, yeah. The secret if word. Someone if someone said, said it, right. then everybody had to yell. That scream. was before SpongeBob annoyed parents all over the world. There was Pee Wee Herman, and that's what he would do. Is he, he, Everybody had to scream when you heard the word for the day. Everybody screamed. So parents would hear their children screaming at the top of their lungs, and that was why, because they were screaming the word of the day. Did okay. you know that? I didn't. So you know who Pee Wee Herman was, but have you ever watched the show? I haven't, no. See, okay, there you go. You've got to watch Pee Wee Herman show. I know. I've listened to the music because I like Danny Elfman's stuff, uh-huh. but I've never seen the show. Oh, yeah. I'll have <laughs> yeah. to watch it. It's a trip. <laughs> it is a trip. Um, well, welcome back. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the last part of this conversation with David Roberts and Colshan Environmental Services. This is a really great example of what I consider a mission-driven organization because we can tell in the conversations that I've had with David, not only today, but off air as well, um, you can really feel in his heart that he's driven um, by this idea of environmental stewardship and that he has a passion and motivation and a skill and a talent that he's giving back into his community um, from an education from an advocacy perspective, but also from a design and engineering perspective. And we salute you, David, for what you're doing in your community and you're building a sustainable business as well. So um, kudos. We want to get more of these types of organizations on Walk the Talk with Kim. So if you want to nominate somebody or you know of anybody that's doing these kinds of things, Lindsay will be interviewing you. You can uh, email her at Lindsay, it's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at workforceevolution.com. And I'm sure she'll be posting something on walkthetalkwithkim.com on that. There you go. Or Walk the Talk with Kim Facebook page. 
So, David, one of the things that um, really interests me, and, and it's something that you wanted to talk about as well, is this idea of rallying the troops and how it really takes a village. And usually we say that about raising a child, but it takes a village for any of these social responsibility or environmental responsibility or environmental stewardship pieces. Can you tell us a little bit about the story or what you learned or, or what you can share with us to help us inspire other communities to do the same? as the people yeah. from Lake Patton. Absolutely. I, I think I was uh, making some notes here. I, I think that I would point to um, four things that really led to our success. And we'll probably close out the program with this, but um, one of them is to um, really develop strong relationships. And uh, when I say that, I mean you go to the people who really need to be involved in, and give them a role in what you're doing. And so in our case, we went to the city and the county and we said, you know, we're going to do this project. We want to make sure you like it and that you can live with the results when we get done. And so they came in right at the ground floor before we went out into the field and did any any work at all. Another thing is um, to be really credible. And the beauty with our group is that we have some uh, a wonderful science team as well as um, uh, a, a great community of supporters um, who help us bring credibility to our results. So going out and finding people in your community that know something about what you're concerned about is is really uh, an important aspect. It gives uh, credibility to the news media. It gives credibility to the elected officials, uh, anybody that you have to work with. So you don't just sound like a crazy person. Right, right. And then uh, you, you need to have a relevant message something that is not so big, not too scary, not whatever, but it needs to be relevant to the people that you're trying to reach. And finally, um, get public. And we've had a lot of fun with our website, with our um, our pledge program, our cabling activities, our Facebook site. Uh, it's really quite amazing how social media can uh, help uh, bring people together and um we're actually going to uh, culminate our all our work for this last year and a half or so by the time we get done with a, a big birthday party because our park is turning 40 um, uh, as of uh, this September 8th. And so we're bringing all our results and our team together and, and inviting the whole community for a big picnic, which the city is putting on for us. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Did so, you get any pushback from the city when you went to them first, or did they appreciate the fact that you weren't treating them like an enemy? Well, I think any time a public group gets organized and comes together, it can appear threatening. Mm-hmm. And um, in my uh, experience in the past, um, you know, I realized that those kind of things happen. And so our uh, approach to this whole thing was to say, look, you know, if you don't think this is a good thing, we're not going to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And so um, we worked out with them certain parameters of how we did business and who we talked to and when reports were done and and, uh, and gave them an opportunity to review and approve everything that we've done. And ultimately, any decision or recommendations that come out of the process, they're going to have their fingerprints on, too. You know, I so, really appreciate that because I'm um, witnessing a very interesting um, and very political uh, environmental concern up where uh, Lindsay and I live um, without going into specifics. But I think part of the problem was um, the city moving forward and the concerned citizens, um, you know, being 
very angry about that. And it seemed to me, you know, exactly what you said, and I even wrote down this quote, I got to find it really quick, is um, design your way out of a problem. It would have seemed to me that if there was a group of citizens that had environmental concerns about their community, if they would have had a relationship with their city to begin with that says, hey, we're environmentalists, we care about our community, we want to preserve it, how do we work with you to make sure that you, city, are still protecting your tax revenue base, you're still growing because that's what you were hired to do, but we still have an environmental stewardship component if you do and set that groundwork first before any projects come up. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fear um, in the world right now about uh, people's rights being taken away and and uh, uh, people not being heard primarily. And um, I think there's plenty of room when people start with a concept and this design, you know, design your way out of a problem. If you start with a concept and make sure people are brought in at the ground floor, you can address a lot of concerns right from the very get-go. And even the ones that you can't address, you can mitigate those through some other form of involvement or empowerment that uh, ultimately gets to the result that you want. So I hope the lesson that our listeners hear, and I'm going to think about this myself, and I would encourage folks to do that as well, is to think about what's really important to you, what really matters to you. It doesn't have to be a problem. It could just be something that's really important. And then make sure that you're connected to your community. I love to garden, and I know the master gardeners in my area, and so we care about gardening concerns. Not that that's ever a problem moving forward, but hey, maybe it will be. Maybe we'll have a shortage of food somewhere and we need our master gardeners to help us feed radishes to people. I don't know. You never know. But I love the idea of actively going out into your community before there's a problem um, to create this synergy. And also, I think, to recognize that not everybody thinks the same. I think that's one of the messages that I heard you say. Um, You didn't state it explicitly, but that people have different Um, places that they're coming from and to be respectful of where they're coming from so they'll be respectful from where you're coming from. That's very true, and oftentimes there's interesting ideas coming from different angles, too, if if people are willing to be open and listen to them. That's excellent. David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You were a wonderful guest. This was David Roberts from Colshan Environmental Services. David, again, give us the uh, uh, website address and how people can get a hold of you. It's Colshan services.com k-u-l-s-h-a-n services.com excellent thank you for joining walk the talk with kim in the last minute there's two announcements Lindsay's going to make really fast yep we want to remind listeners that encompass is having their child care co-op ice cream meet and greet that's to uh not tomorrow friday the 29th of june from 6 to 6 30 p.m at their main campus in north bend and also acrs has their second excuse me, 22nd annual Walk for Rice on Saturday, June 30th at Seward Park in Seattle from 8 a.m. to noon. Excellent job. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, David Roberts, for joining us today. Look around your community, take inventory, but most of all, go out there and have a beautiful day. And the songbirds say